Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. Welcome to Horror Babble. We're thrilled to return this year with our sixth 12 Days of Christmas special. This time, we're heading back to a familiar location, in The Man Who Saw the Light Over Winter Hill. The story tells of a troubled young man, in physical decline, who relates a strange and terrible ordeal following the sighting of an unusual phenomenon over the haunted plateau of Winter Hill. As always, the story consists of twelve parts, each of which will air daily, from today through to January the 6th. And thanks as always for your support, folks. Having such a fabulous audience really makes writing these things worthwhile. And without further blabbering. The Man Who Saw the Light Over Winter Hill by Ian Gordon On Winter Hill Winter Hill, as the name suggests, is a broad hill constituting a sizable portion of the West Pennine Moors in northwest England, straddling the boroughs of Chorley, Blackburn with Darwin, and Bolton. The sweeping moor stands as a silent witness to centuries of curious history, from the rituals of the Bronze Age to the advent of telecommunication masts and towers in the mid-twentieth century. The heather-crowned expanse is marked by several ancient burial grounds, taking the form of evocative cairns. These sacred sites, shrouded in mystery, speak of forgotten rites in which men and women of a bygone era committed their dead to the barren landscape. The Winter Hill television transmitter, standing at a little over three hundred metres in height, is the tallest in Britain a cylindrical mast that not only connects communities through the airwaves, but also serves as a local landmark, casting its long shadow across the forbidding plain. Prior to the arrival of modern technology, the hill was largely shunned by local communities, said to be a hotspot for supernatural activity. Stories abound pertaining to packs of wolves, goatmen, goblins, and even portals to other worlds. And such legends aren't restricted to yesteryear. Tales of unidentified flying objects, pale creatures bathing in the blanket bog, bright lights over the expanse of wetland known as the Zark. Just a few of the phenomena reported by numerous individuals throughout the latter portion of the twentieth century. Most visitors, however, remain unaware of Winterhill's controversial mythology, instead drawn to the area by its quaint woodlands and extensive grasslands, peopled as they are by squirrels, foxes, sheep, and other terrestrial entities. The following handwritten account, penned by a 33-year-old security analyst by the name of Roman Smith, was mailed to an acquaintance of the author, Sean Davis, on January 6, 1998. Having read the account several times, Davis remains undecided as to whether or not to turn the manuscript over 
to the police. Sean, I'm sending my account to you because you're the most impartial person I know. I've attached a ridiculous story, and I can be reasonably sure that in your hands it won't go astray. If the job I've got planned comes off, you might read about it in the evening news. If not, well, at least I gave it a shot. Sorry to land you with this, but I don't know what else to do. All the best, mate. Roman. A written account of my strange and terrible experiences at Winter Hill by Roman Smith. To whom it may concern, I'm off out shortly. I've a job to do, and it might mean the end of me, an end there'll be no coming back from. A quick glance in the mirror reveals that I'm pretty much done for anyway. God knows what my mum and dad will think. Rosie knows some of what's gone on, but these last few days I've been avoiding her calls. Forgive me, sis. I can't have her up to her neck in this thing, sneaking around like an outlaw, counting down the days to destruction. There's a car parked outside right now. A silver vento with tinted windows. It's never too far away. There's a body lying a stone's throw from the two lads. A body that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for... Well, I'll get to that. And there's a threat. A threat that I'm hoping the following account will illustrate. I'll do my best to recount the whole story, despite my failing memory, starting at the very beginning. 1. Christmas Eve, 1997 I don't want to wax sentimental, so I'll try to stick to the facts. My name's Roman. Roman Hammond Smith. I'm 33 years old and, up until recently, was content living life as a confirmed bachelor. My profession as a security analyst satisfies my wants and needs. I live in Narrow Valley, a small village and suburb of Bolton in England's northwest. It's a quiet spot, mainly residential, positioned on the south-facing slopes of the West Pennines. We're hemmed in by trees and intersected by the trickling waters of Burnt Edge Brook. By all accounts, it's an idyllic place to live. Provides good access to the town centres of Bolton and Orich, whilst retaining that rural feel, the perfect base for a rambler. On clear days, from several vantage points, you can see the top of the mast at Winter Hill, beckoning us locals to explore the boggy terrain it stands upon. I used to love doing that, but my wandering days are over. Well, almost. I have, or should I be saying had, a tradition on Christmas Eve. Every year at around 8pm, if the roads are clear of snow, I jump in the car and drive up to the mast. It's a ten-minute journey from here, accessed via a fairly precipitous and winding service road. I get out of the car, stand by the mast and gaze up at the night sky. What I'm looking for, I haven't a clue. I just like the idea of being up there on my own, with only the many-eyed mast for company. I try not to think too much about George Henderson, a Scottish merchant who was murdered there back in the 19th century. Some say old George haunts the transmitter building nowadays, but... That's another story, and not at all relevant to this one. This most recent visit, having stood by the mast, gazing up at the sky for some minutes, I climbed back into the car and decided to stop off at Crooked Edge Hill on the way back home. The hill is home to a pair of cairns known locally as the Two Lads. The site is particularly eerie, 
especially if you dwell on the numerous legends associated with it. Those of the two men who froze to death on the hill, or the spectre horseman who said to frequent the surrounding bogs. Myths aside, though, standing by the bigger of the two cones, you're afforded a fabulous view of the landscape below. It's jaw-dropping in the daytime, if the weather is behaving itself, and after dark it's equally dramatic. The lights of a hundred towns meet your eye, an urban blaze, belonging to municipalities as far away as Liverpool. But that's an off-scene setting. I suppose I was just trying to hold on to some semblance of normality. But things will never be normal again. I'll get to the beef. I was standing there, the chill of the moor nipping at my ankles, when suddenly, and for the briefest of moments, a flash of light illuminated Crooked Edge Hill. I expected the familiar rumble of thunder to follow, a natural expectation given the brightness of the light, but quickly realised that it wasn't coming. The skies above were clear, you'd have been hard pushed to spot a cloud. But what did follow was a sort of yelp, the sound you might hear if you accidentally step on the paw of a dog. I craned round to find the source of the sound, convinced that it wasn't too far away, but couldn't see anything. I looked to the north, back in the direction of the mast with its multiple red eyes, and heard other sounds, scuttling sounds amplified by the northerly wind. The moment I heard those noises, a shiver shimmied up my spine. I had absolutely no desire to find out what was making them. I took off at a sprint, wary of my footing on the uneven ground. The car was parked on the service road to the east. It took a few minutes to reach it, but I was steadfast. I reached the car, jumped in and took off. And though I didn't see anything else, didn't hear anything else, my heart was still racing when I got home. Impelled by that same mysterious fear, I locked all the doors and windows and drew closed every curtain. When asking myself why I was so rattled, I could only answer that I'd never experienced anything like that before. Such things would have been disturbing enough in the company of others, but alone, standing with the two lads, that flash of light and the ensuing sound served only to stir my imagination to frightening new eyes. I recalled the old stories, the headless boggart and the devil of the ravine, the snowhounds and the little men of County Bravadus, not to mention the rumours surrounding the strange happenings in the village of Felmont over the winter of 1957-58. Had I seen something of that world? Something I'd been blind to before? Surely not. I turned the television on and tried to distract myself with a showing of It's a Wonderful Life, but I found myself drawn to the window on more than one occasion, sneaking glimpses through a crack in the curtains at the uncomfortably quiet street outside. But there was nothing unusual out there, just the home of your average evening, and the promise of Christmas on the morn. But I didn't sleep well that night. My dreams were filled with strange little critters that yelped. 